You're listening to Training Data from Cosmic Works, which is a part of the IQT podcast series, which can be found on SoundCloud and iTunes. Hi, my name is Ryan Lewis, and welcome to another episode of the world's most rich and compelling data science podcast, Training Data by Cosmic Works. With me, I've described him this as once before, and I think it's fair to say I can describe him that once again. The Grand Meister of Computer Vision, Dr. Adam Van Etten. Welcome. It's, it's great to have you back. <laughs> <laughs> All right, today we're going to be talking about our most near and dear topic to our hearts, and that is SpaceNet. All right, so for those of you who have not listened to our pods or, or looked at our blogs or, or websites or just checked any of our social media, uh, SpaceNet is a collaborative effort, effort between us, Cosmic Works, uh, AWS or Amazon Web Services, Maxar, and Intel AI. I'm repping their Intel AI DEFCON shirt today. And it is specifically focused on accelerating open source uh, res applied research for geospatial analytics. And as a part of that effort, over the course of the last three years, we have open sourced, uh, developed and open sourced, uh, highly curated labeled data sets of satellite images, uh, specifically focused on foundational mapping. So this includes, as Adam's going to talk about today in greater detail, both building footprints and roads. Uh, it also includes hosting open data science competitions on TopCoder. Uh, to date, we've hosted four. Specifically for today, we're going to be talking about our fifth and our, our fifth and most upcoming competition, which is on road networks and routing and time, which is really cool. And then last but not least, we open source those results from the competitions. And so really, just to, to kind of jump right in. So Adam, in our previous pod, we talked about SpaceNet 3, which was our first foray into looking at road network and routing from a sing single satellite image. Why do we care about that? Well, I, I know we've talked about this before, but why don't we just do a brief uh, rehash of that for those who perhaps haven't listened to a previous pod or read any of our material before? There we go. All right, yeah. Uh, so as you probably know, our first couple challenges were building footprints, and we had some pretty successful results there, and that was pretty exciting. And I think the next obvious step for us was to look at roads. And people have looked at roads from satellite imagery and overhead imagery before and had some success, but, but those approaches in the competition sense were typically looking at, at pixels. Um, so you have an image, and you try and figure out which pixels belong to roads, which pixels belong to backgrounds. And then, and then you school yourself on that. Um, and that, has, that is pretty exciting. But a pixel mask really isn't that useful at the end of the day. What you want is an actual network, right? I mean, what Google Maps gives you is a network of roads that you then use for routing. We can get into that more in, later, what Google Maps does and does not give you. But that's what you want. And so what we decided to do was to actually take another step for this competition for SpaceNet 3, which was let's take, uh, take the road network. We've this hand-labeled high quality hand labeled data set of road network and then ask people to give us that road network back for test images so not only do we get a pixel mask we get the actual road network so this is what i mean by network is this graph theory concept so it's it's um, intersections and edges so the links between different places how do you actually use that uh to get from point a to point b that's what that's what we actually want so that's the competition we ran for spacenet 3 and we were kind of curious how it would go. This is something that's a little novel in terms of asking competitors how to do it. Uh, and we actually were pretty impressed with the results. So we had um, 
five people who had a score of over 0.6 in our metric that we we applied. So we call this the apples metric that we developed, average path length similarity. So this is looking at um, the proposal and the ground truth graph structure. How do your lengths differ when you go from different places? And we can go into a whole different podcast on that. We've already talked about it somewhat in previous pods. I won't go into we, too much. We detail. got time. We got yeah, time. Well, yeah. Let's just let's just go in deep. Let's <laughs> let's get into some graph theory. Uh, but scores of over 0.6 um, were actually pretty surprising. We were pretty encouraged. So there's, it's a multi-step process that, that you're getting, which is you start with an image, you get actually out a pixel mask to start, which is where you usually would end in previous competitions. So like ISPRS has a, a a segmentation challenge that's pretty cool so so we acknowledge that there's people who've thought about this before but taking the extra step of pulling out the road network is what we were excited to see and that's what people did pretty well so that second and third step to pull out that network um, was successful in a lot of ways 0.6 is not perfect but it's a good start and and again especially when you had five people that were scored over that um, we were pretty encouraged with that result and the one thing that's like really surprised me just even in the last year since we posted uh space net three is I don't see a lot of other uh, evaluation metrics that are kind of driving towards the same result as what Apple's does. I, I know there's been a few, but I think those seal, still seem in their their early stages as well. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, I think um, th- there are a few. So, so uh, certainly to acknowledge, uh, there's something that, that loosely called Topo, which is looking at kind of um, different holes and marbles is the technique they use in a different road network. So that, that certainly kind of tries to capture the graph structure um, and something else that is looking at the number of um, routes that are within 5% of the same distance. Um, so that, okay. so that is a similar concept. Um, so obviously I um, appreciate the, the work that people have done previously to us, um, but we decided those weren't quite what we wanted. So we had our own and, and it's, so it's capturing kind of the whole network structure it, it's it's it works on arbitrary large networks and uh, I think one big advantage is that it's not really a computer vision metric in the sense that you don't need images to run this metric um, you could run it on any kind of data as long as you get a graph structure um, so I think it's pretty flexible there um, and then and then of course you have just the pure computer vision metrics which are very easy to compute and we do that also in conjunction just to know how we're doing in that sense as well Got it. And not to belabor too much on the past with with three, but one thing I wanted to point out was the winning result gave us a, a and correct me if I'm wrong, it gave us a semi semi generalized uh, model. Correct. It was that's a correct. single model trained across all four cities, and you know for us that that's really interesting because so much of this work right is hopefully driving towards whether you're looking at buildings or roads is driving towards what is called a generalized model something where you have a model that can look at very different cities in our case or geographic domains without having to train and build new models for each domain right that's really impactful right and i i think we only had one competitor right that did that correct that's correct at least in the top scoring competitors right okay so fast forwarding to kind of where we're at today and, and what we're talking about so we saw some pretty good results uh, with three, and particularly in the, on the generalized side. But then that kind of led to the questions of us internally and all of our SpaceNet partners about what should we be doing next in this domain? So three was good, but perhaps didn't get us maybe to where we want to go. So walk us through some of that thought process about saying, okay, what's the next interesting thing in roads that could help be accomplished by some type of deep learning model? No, it's a good point. So I think the the step of going from just pixels to the actual road network was pretty interesting, but 
uh, all that really that tells you is like the distances that you want to travel. Um, but there's other features you might care about, right? So pulling out something like um, the number of bridges you might cross or the surface type. It's, there's a lot of different yeah. things. I think the first thing you probably care about in terms of extra features is, is speed or travel time, right? I mean, ultimately, when you're trying to figure out where to go, uh, how to get from your house to work, you care about usually the time, right? And so that's it's a, an extra feature you'd have to stack on top of this algorithm that people developed. And that's what we decided we'd tackle first because I think that's, again, that's like the first thing you'd want to know is, is what's the fastest route? So, and a lot of this was, was in conjunction to talking with some of our, our partners here in, in, in our, our co-labs, actually our partner labs at InQtel, which is in the biology lab that we have. Um, they're looking at pandemic response. And uh, one of the issues is how do you actually respond to a, to a pandemic, say, in a, in a poorly mapped area? And pulling out the road network just the, the underlying network with just just distances is a great start right so that that motivated a lot of our initial work but um you know let's say you 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 want to know how best and, and how how to most quickly get supplies and people to an area in need we really want to know the, the fastest way yeah. and maybe the, the the shortest method by distance wouldn't help you a whole lot if it's over a rutted terrain or it's a single lane dirt road and you have something that's a mile longer but it's a highway that's the route you want to go right obviously this is something we all understand from using google maps right and that's something that we've heard a lot um to, to make a little segue in terms of, of google maps which is um there are solutions out there that will help you route right well, obviously we know this we use it all the time uh, and those are great, right? There, there's some great resources. OpenStreetMaps is a great resource. Google Maps is a great resource. There's others as well. Those work well in a well-mapped area in a static yeah. environment, right? And what we're thinking is we're not we're not thinking SpaceNet will replace those. Not at all, no. right? What it will do, though, potentially, is if there's a dynamic environment, like you have a natural disaster or you have, say, seasonal rains in an area that's poorly mapped, and whatever network you have is not reliable for whatever reason, if you need an update to that network, then a pass of a drone or an, um, or a satellite over an area, if you can process that quickly, which we've shown you, you can, then you can pull out that network pretty darn quickly. You can get that road network. And then if you can get the speed as well, then maybe you can say, you know what, Red Cross, whomever you're responding, let's, we'll show you this is the, this is the best way to go uh, into this village, into this area. Here's how you respond. Yeah. I think that could be pretty impactful. And, and I, th I think we have a shot at making a chipping away at that problem with this space night challenge. And I think that I just, I, I can't emphasize this enough. I know you hear me say this a lot, but it's arguably one of the reasons, the biggest reason why I love this focus area so much because so many other computer vision problems, particularly in our domain, in the geospatial, uh, in the geospatial market, normally what a model is producing, then a human interprets. And that's where you have sort of the final value. Right? The, the value isn't necessarily inherent in whatever the model's producing. In this case, it, it is. Like, it, there is no final analysis after that. If you're getting a road route with a projected time, in some cases, if, in lieu of any other information, particularly if decisions have to be made quickly, that may be the, the information that someone acts on. That's, just, that's really exciting. And I can't believe, you know, you and I have been at this now for four years. I can't yeah. believe we're almost there in an open source environment. That's really cool. It, it's pretty exciting. And, and again, there are, um, you know, there are techniques that try and do this as well. Um, 
those don't necessarily respond as well if your network is disrupted, right? So, yeah. so the example we, we use all the time, right? We've talked about this before is when Hurricane Maria hit, you had to over two months to remap um, the, the island um, of Puerto Rico, right? And, and that was a heroic effort by a lot of people, not knocking it at all. If you can do that faster, it's obviously an advantage. So, yeah. so maybe you know this this automated approach that we're gonna attempt, right? It won't be perfect, but if it's a start and it helps you, maybe when, when you've got uh, people on the ground within 24 hours, if they've got nothing at all, you know, may, maybe this first pass could really help them figure out how to how to actually deploy their resources in the best way. You bet. I, that's a really good point. I mean, if this ends up in some way, even just informing or helping inform how the hot OSM community incorporates these types of technologies, I think it'd be a huge win for us. Uh, so before we get into the specifics of the challenge and what we're going to uh, propose to competitors, we're going to take a quick break uh, and then we'll be right back and getting in all the good stuff. All right. Geo is hard and we know that for the last four years, you know, we've been at Cosmic, we've been working on trying to make it just one step easier. And one of the projects that we're really excited about that hopefully achieves this goal or gets us one step closer is what our colleague Nick Weir has produced. Uh, it's a project called Solaris. Uh, it is a open source software package uh, to help really anyone uh, spin up models that we've open sourced, use their own models, uh, and have them train and test validate against either SpaceNet data or other data sets. And I think it's really cool and, uh, for us. And, and not only that, we're putting almost all of our work uh, will be integrated with Solaris going forward. Um, the other thing, right, that's coming up is if you're a, a follower on our blog, which is the downlink with a Q on Medium, uh, our newest member of the team, uh, Daniel Hogan, just put out a pretty cool post on uh, what we've been calling a robustness study on uh, training data, specifically looking at how much data uh, are necessary to build a decent model for building footprint identification. I think this is something that we've been looking at for a long period of time, and it's pretty compelling to start putting some quantitative results uh, against that. I think it's something that's really unique in the, in the market right now. Yeah, and I think it speaks to kind of the robustness, to use that word again, of the SpaceNet data set. So we're using SpaceNet data for this study, and I think the results are, are pretty interesting to show that, you know, uh, there maybe is a limit where you don't actually get a ton more benefit at, at which point when you keep adding data. And um, quantifying that I think is really important because there's a lot of things that get thrown around. You, you hear people throw around crazy numbers like a billion examples or a million examples. Um, in some cases that's true, in some cases it's really not. Maybe you don't need to spend your entire budget on labeling. Maybe you can spend it on, on other things uh, and get still a pretty good model out. I think that's important though. Absolutely. And so if you're interested in learning more, check out. Uh, our blog or uh, feel free to, to reach out to us or you'll uh, also find information on all the SpaceNet data and the models we've open sourced on spacenet.ai. With that, let's get back to the pod and talking about our upcoming challenge. Okay, we're back with, with Adam Van Etten talking about SpaceNet 5, our uh, most recent upcoming competition, uh, part of the SpaceNet series, uh, specifically focused on road network identification routing and speed and so adam let's get into it all right so we're building on three what's unique about this so we've talked about time how are we doing that and how what other challenges are we going to put in front of competitors uh to make these results perhaps a little more tractable to end users in the community yeah i think that the the 
incorporation of time, I think, will make this this fairly unique. Um, we've seen some decent, actually, traction uh, as of late for, with SpaceNet and academic community. So one example is we all, we being the, the Cosmic team, we were all out at the computer vision and pattern recognition uh, just a, a few weeks ago, um, which is one of the leading computer vision conferences in the world. And uh, there, there was a paper there that was using SpaceNet data, using the metric that we had, and, and some so really cool ideas coming out of, of using this data uh, to find roads. And so they were just pulling out the road network, right? I shouldn't say just, they were pulling out the road network, very impressive. Um, but as far as we've seen, pulling out the estimate for travel time is something that's very poorly covered. It's, been, it's not really been done at all uh, in the academic community. And so that piece alone, I think, will be pretty interesting. You bet. And one just editorial point. I was not at CVPRs. I was at uh, was on the other side of the coast. Uh, but just to be clear, uh, as we got some good feedback on Twitter about this, I thought about using a deep fake to put myself in the photo with you guys. And I opted not to do that because I was told, in quote, it's creepy. Uh, so just for the record, I'm not in any of the CVPR pictures. Well, well, there's quite a few papers, I think, that, that would claim to do that. So certainly <laughs> it'd be encouraged, I think, in the CVPR crowd to try something. I was tempted. Nature. Yeah, was yeah. Tempted. yeah. <laughs> so uh, it's great that we're seeing interest right within the community uh, because that will really accelerate the broader research uh, focused on geospatial. But what are some specific things we're going to do in this challenge? I know we're, we're adding new data. We always get asked for data sets, so mm -hmm. that's exciting. But talk a little bit about those data and how we're going to make things just a little bit harder yes. uh, for uh, challenge participants this time around. I think uh, so. a lot of lessons have been learned um, in the last Space Nights. Right? We've run four to this point and learned a lot. Uh, that's been very helpful. But one, I think... Um, that, that we've seen, and this is, I think, true um, largely across the competition sphere, right? There's, there's a lot of data science challenges out there, and it's a really cool kind of concept, right? You get a lot of utility out of it for your money. The one downside is that since um, these competitions are, are pretty so, are so well-defined, which they must be, it's often possible for competitors to overtrain their models, meaning they know exactly what they need to do. They know their, their testing data, and they just tweak parameters and add parameters until they get the best score, right? Um, so an example is for SpaceNet 4, we've talked about this in a previous pod, but I'll reiterate that people use an ensemble of 27 different models <laughs> to, to get the best score. And, and you're incentivized to do this because if you can get a 1% increase and that bumps yeah, you from third you place to one or first place, you, you win, right? The problem is if you're trying to deploy this algorithm, 27 times slower is often not worth a 1% boost in performance, yeah. right? So, so this is a lesson that, that we've learned. Other people know it, right? But we haven't really been too aggressive about it. And I think going forward, what we'll do is we'll just dial back the compute that people are allowed to use significantly. And so if you want to use a 27 model ensemble, great, but you still have to fit it within a very small compute window. Most likely you're not going to do that. Maybe you spend your time doing something um, like a post-processing, which is still at this point in the geo domain, computer vision and geo that still is necessary. Like you yeah. don't really have end-to-end -end solutions to go from from an image to a graph uh, a graph structure, right? That's that kind of thing. So the post-processing is important, um, but that's not compute intensive usually. So we're kind of hoping people spend more time there and less time just ensembling a whole bunch of models yeah. and, and, and really slowing down the compute. So that that's one piece. We'll dial that back, what compute people can use. Uh, another is that, especially since the, the SpaceNet corpus keeps growing, 
uh, we'll have double digits in terms of cities um, after this this labeling campaign that we're wrapping up now. So by the time this this podcast is out, we'll have uh, four new cities. But the, the plan is, in order to kind of um, address this robustness issue that we just talked about a little bit, um, is we're going to hold back some of those cities, right? Oh, mystery city. Yeah, mystery city, exactly. Yes. Um, Atlantis. We'll call it Atlantis. All right, Atlantis, right? Atlantis it is. Uh, and, and so by holding that back, right, um, if you overtrain your model on the, the cities that we have, so, so say for SpaceNet 3, right, we had Paris... Shanghai, Khartoum, and Las Vegas. If your model is hyper-tuned to those four cities and then you give it a different city, there's a good chance that it will do pretty poorly. Yeah. And so this, this approach will hopefully, in a pretty simple way, right, encourage people to generalize. So that, I mean, ultimately, right, since we're an applied research shop, right, what we want to do is make things that are deployable and useful to the community, right? And if, you're, if your model only works on downtown Chicago and nowhere else, not that useful, right? Um, Chicago's a great city, though. Yeah. I was, I was born there. Yeah. And so, but I'm a Cardinals fan. We'll talk about it later. I don't know. Is, is Chicago prone to natural disasters? I, don't, I think it's not too bad, right? If it's, you count extreme cold for five months out of the year, a natural yeah. disaster, then yes. So snow detecting. Okay. Yes, that's, yeah. That, well, well that's a, that's a, we have some snow on one of our images. We won't tell you exactly what city yet, but that'll be fun, actually. That'll be <laughs> tricky. Will. That one's tough. Uh, anyway, so you want to make sure these models are useful, right? So that's another novel we'll turn is, is we'll hold something back and, uh, and we'll see how people per- perform on a new city. And I think that'll be, it'll be marching towards the goal of really making this output of a data science challenge more usable and not something that is hyper tuned. Um, and I'll give an example, right? So, um, their challenges recently that were pretty cool. Say, uh, people were trying to recognize, uh, different land types from satellite imagery oh yeah and and some some cool stuff but the top 50 people were within a percent i think of of each other for score which which so and so um you have to do some clever stuff to make it top that leaderboard right but um what we're trying to get at is like okay if that's true great but maybe um if, if, if all those are really fast, then that's perfect. Most likely in those top 50, there's one that's way faster than the yeah. other. Probably that's the one you actually want to use, right? Um, so again, kind of just pushing towards something that's more usable uh, is what we're hoping to, to try with this challenge, along with obviously something cool like pulling out road speed and travel times. Absolutely. And so the kind of looking ahead, what, what timelines are we looking at from generally releasing the data set, which is always a big event, mm-hmm. um, kind of like almost a holiday for us at this point. And then when are you generally thinking about um, launching the competition? Yeah, so the, the labeling is getting kind of wrapped up uh, as we speak. So we anticipate releasing that data set uh, kind of in August at some point. And then uh, the competition will launch early September. Okay. And it will run for approximately two months. So we'll, we'll wrap that up uh, around the November time frame. Uh, and then, well, as usual, with SpaceNet, where we'll have challenge uh, prizes. So that'll be a cash prize. Uh, and and there's some, some other things that, that might actually go along with this SpaceNet, which we, we shouldn't talk about yet because it's on, kind of in the queue. But could be really cool to kind of, uh, uh, I guess, uh, increase the incentive to participate and try and win this one. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm looking forward uh, to pushing some of that information out when we can. And Kind of keep uh, keep your eyes peeled on all of our social media sites, 
um, as well as spacenet.ai for all that information uh, when we make it available. But with Adam, I, I'll say this, you know, I couldn't be more excited for five. It's hard to believe that we're there. I'm looking forward to seeing the results. And as always, great being on a pod with you. Great work. Really looking forward to, to seeing what people put out there for SpaceNet 5. I think it'll be great. Awesome. All right. Well, everyone, uh, thanks for listening today. And uh, stay in touch on all of our sites for more information. Take care. Space Club Rule 22. Rules are meant to be broken. Thank you for listening to today's show. You can find more information and links to different sites and data sets and presentations about the content discussed today at cosmicworks.org, and that's cosmic with a Q, spacenet.ai, and our blog, the downlink, on Medium, which is with a Q. You're seeing a trend here. We like the letter Q. Thank you to Kristen Zender and Carrie Sassine from IQT's marketing and communications team. Music was provided by DC Zone Redline Addiction. Talk again soon. Take care.